Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Nate. And I'm Mike. What are we smoking today, Nate? Well, we are going to be smoking. I guess I should look at it, huh? This is a Saison by Oliva, and this is the First Harvest 2009. So it is. This is the first in a series. We also have to say that this is a first time for the show. Yeah, first time in two seasons. Uh, we're actually both at Nate's place today, and I've been working on my car, so I had to put engine components back in the in the under the hood so that we had enough room on the workbench here <laughs> to do our show. There we go. We're lit. Nice easy light. It is. Yeah. Good. We're enjoying a uh, Goose Island IPA from Chicago. Is it all it is from Chicago, huh? Yep. I never thought about it. I drink a lot of this stuff in the winter because uh, the establishments that I go to regularly to endeavor in a sporting event, they usually only have one good beer. And Goose Island happens to be the one that the distributor up north has. Yep. So. I'd say first couple puffs is pretty pretty nice, pretty good, smooth. It is. I was expecting it to be good. It's an Oliva. It's a very reputable brand. Yep. Most people can find them in their local cigar shops. Is it Oliva or Oliva? Oliva. Oliva? Yeah. I think like Boliva. Okay. Oliva. Yeah. And we've talked at length ad nauseum about how I can't pronounce things because I just read them and make up my own pronunciations in my head. Interestingly enough, that's going to be part of our show today. Yes. Is uh, accents and uh, whether or not accents are offensive, even if they're accurate. Yes. So for our episode today, we really, uh, we did a lot of homework, about an hour and a half worth each. Yes. Uh, and then some additional extra credit time because we've got a little fun activity after we're done talking about the main topic. Um, but we wanted to watch. I don't. I don't think it's considered. It's not Birth of a Nation, so it's not the most racist film ever made. Um, I don't know if you ever saw Birth of a Nation. I have not, but I want. I've to. seen some of it, right? And like the the Ku Klux Klan I've definitely plays them. a major role as like the heroes in that film. I've seen so. the one scene where they come over the hill yeah. and they're like. Mm-hmm. angels kind of but they're the clan and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so um and it's not um and actually gone with the wind has kind of taken some heat yes uh, within time. the past i don't know 10 15 years maybe for its portrayals of the deep south um, uh, specifically mammy yeah uh and the relationship between slaves and their masters yes so the movie that we watched was you can find this online. I'm not going to tell you how or where, but it's on, I think, the internetarchive.com. So it's uh, definitely within public domain, I believe. Uh, it should be, yeah. Um, and, uh, or, or if not, like this is kind of like a fan restoration where they found the 35 millimeter prints from uh, a theater somewhere and kind of uh, took their time to, you know, scan it in and color grade it and clean up some of the dust and stuff. Um, But this is one Disney does not want you to see. Uh, It's called Song of the South from 1946. Yes. And I've been wanting to watch this since I was in college. I've always wanted to see it. It's always been controversial. And it's where the the song Zippity-Doo-Dah comes from. Yep. That made its debut debut in this film. And uh, some of the actors are Academy Award winners, the first ever black actors uh, to win an Academy Award. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, both the man and the yeah. woman were in the show. So we're going to go through Song of the South, and then our fun activity at the end is, uh, if we were making a remake of it today, who would we cast? And would we change uh, change things? Because I was thinking about that, too. Like, would we change some of the storyline or some of that stuff? So Absolutely. we're just going to kind of go go through it. And I think, let's just, let's get the big elephant out of the way first. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you think this film was racist? I think that it has elements that are not 
sensitive for the times today, uh, but I don't think it crosses the line into out, outright racist rhetoric. I think a lot of the points that they had were nuanced, which was common in film of that era. And uh, there were two things that stuck out that might be racist to me. Okay. And yeah. I don't want to step on your... No, well, so I just want to say I, I didn't really feel anything was overtly racist. You know, it's certainly a, a film from the 1940s. So, you know, you're, you're going to get whatever There's from a- it, right? But it's firstly, it's set in the Reconstructionist South, so not... Plantation, yes. full-on slavery south. Um, that doesn't mean that Reconstruction was great and Reconstruction had no racism or anything like that. It's just it's set in kind of in a different period than you would think because, yes, the white people still live at the plantation and there's still the black people working the farm and stuff. But I think you can tell, especially with some of the dialogue between Uncle Remus and the grandmother, that it's a working relationship, not a... Master slavery slave. relationship. Yes. So right, and we discuss uh, Frederick Douglass and his accounts of slavery, and uh, even in his account, there was only one account, one time in his life where he saw the sort of outright beating of somebody, and it was over uh, sex. It wasn't really over uh, work. It was yeah, you know, it was competition between the master and a slave over a slave woman. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, there were two things that stood out to me as problematic. In the modern sense, and that was the accent of the little boy, Uncle Remus's nephew. Yeah, like the little. I don't know if that was really the. Oh, maybe it was actually the nephew, the Toby, the one that yeah. uh, was showing the little white boy around. Yes, uh, his accent was a little too much. I yeah. thought. Uh, and then, but also, it was the 1940s, so perhaps he did talk that way. Well, that's the question. Is like Uncle Remus had an accent that seemed to be authentic to. What the southern slave plantation American English would have been, because that was a very specific dialogue that did exist. Yeah. And was trying, like, the, I guess the original stories of Briar Rabbit had that lingo in there when it was written. Okay. And, uh, because they were written in the 1880s, and there was an active attempt to capture that. Well, it's, uh, accent. it's, uh, capturing part of, um, well, it's like history, capturing history. So retelling these stories. They they came out of a racist period of time. These stories, yes, you know, but they're not necessarily racially driven stories. But they're from a subset of people that were enslaved, and it was their let's just say fairy tales. It's the folklore of the slaves that lived on the plantation, largely recorded in the Reconstruction era. So there's going to be elements that are not comfortable for a modern audiences, obviously. Yeah, and and Um, again, this is a Disney film. And, you know, so they're not really going to delve into the, the ups and downs yeah. of slavery and things like that. This is more, we wanted to portray these stories that came out of Reconstructionist South. So let's set it in the Reconstructionist South and give an uncle or an elderly black man the lead or the role of uh, telling these stories of his people. Right. You know, I feel like if you would make Uncle Remus a white person, there would be outrage because how could a white person tell stories with african background like there's a big thing where they want the the if you have a gay character it needs to be played by a gay actor right you know which i don't agree with because that's acting no you don't, you don't really pretenders. have yeah you don't really have to, you know like there are no uh sorry simha but there are no jedi um <laughs> you know so they're pretending to be a jedi right they're adult right? pretenders so, uh and the second thing that i found and this was something that sarah and i both agreed on 
they had two scenes where they had the sharecroppers going in and out of the field. Yep. And they were too chipper. They should have been, like, obviously this is a 1946 movie made at, in segregationist America. Yeah. So they couldn't, politically, they couldn't have the sharecroppers not want to be sharecroppers. Yeah. So I do understand, but they probably should have been a little bit more sour <laughs> about being sharecroppers yeah, on a like, plantation. You know, and some of it too is, it's a Disney film. It's a Disney They're film. They're not going to yeah. go in into, you know, the ins and outs of sharecropping. You right. know, like it's it's for kids, you know, it's not really designed to be a, yeah. a super and, heady film for us to analyze. And in context, you know, this is the era where I think that uh, Frank Sinatra was blacklisted at this exact time because he wouldn't do segregated shows in the South. Okay. Yeah, he was blacklisted for years before okay. uh, basically his Las Vegas show got too big and they just couldn't shut him out of yep. the industry anymore. Yeah. It's just tour de force. Yeah. Well, it's but it was, yeah, it's Frank. Uh, it's Frank and, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. And, yeah, yeah. All yeah. these guys that At are. At the height of their careers. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is a very different political time. And, uh. Yeah, and it's a Disney film. Like, you know, now nowadays, like Disney, Pixar, they'll put things in their movies for adults. But if you go watch Bambi or, you know, any of the other kind of like quintessential Disney animated movies, um, Aladdin. They don't really, I mean, the genie's a slave, but they don't really, you know, he's beholden to the lamp and he has to do what the lamp holder wants to do, but they're not putting in all of these things for you to analyze because it's a movie for kids. Right. Like Fox and the Hound and Bambi don't get into the intricacies of modern American yeah, hunting, uh, wildlife and, game fishery yeah. rules. And uh, <laughs> Fox and the Hound, we've been rewatching that one quite a bit um, with our daughter and, uh, you know, that's kind of like. Maybe the subplot is, you know, having because it's a fox and a hound and hounds hunt foxes. So right. it's kind of like desegregation, right? Kind of right. the theme of the movie. But that's reading into it. Like a kid is going to be like, oh, OK, they're supposed to hunt each other, but they're friends, you know, like, hey, I've right. got friends that look different than me. That's fine. Whatever. It's cool. Right. Uh, but this, they're not really going into, you know, is uh, fox hunting ethical? Well, yes. And Song of the South did. I'm somebody who watches older films and so are you. So I'm already primed to understand the subtext built into those stories. Yeah. They will not outright say in a film noir film, they're not going to show the murders and the rapes usually, mm -hmm. right? They're going to insinuate that it happened, but yeah. they are not going to directly tell you that well, this occurred. And, and this is, I don't know, maybe what, 20 years later, but Psycho, uh -huh. they show the knife coming up. They show stabbing sounds. And then they show like Hershey syrup going down the drain, but you don't actually see. You don't see anything like, happening. And that, and that was you know, graphic. That was graphic because of how effectively they right. portrayed it on film. And this is a kid's movie, so you're not going to get really the same right. level Grandma of. Grandma is not going to be outright racist. It's yeah. the context of the dialogue. There was one, there was one scene when she was uh, talking to Uncle Remus and it was like, it was borderline, but then they kind of like de-escalated it and they were like, oh, we were just kind of, we were just joking with each other because we've been around each other for that long kind of thing. And I was like, whew, that was almost like, I thought that was going to push us it, over. They made Grandma look, well, in the movie, there's four bad people, I would say. Yeah. And they're all white. Well, let's sum up <laughs> Let's sum up the, the plot summary first. Okay. And then we'll go into the four bad people. Yes. So it's a little, he's got to be what, eight or, or he's a little, 10 little or child. something, like a little, a little child. 
and uh, he's riding in the carriage some really awkward scenes uh, with his mom and dad yes. who are getting a divorce. They're not getting a divorce. Or something. Uh, the, the They're in Reconstructionist South, and his dad is getting death threats for articles that he's making in the newspaper. Yes. And the grandmother politically disagrees with his newspaper articles. So the subcontext that I read into it is he is probably pro-desegregation yeah. and pro-reconstruction, whereas his mother-in-law is well, pro the sharecropper system. And she's older, yeah. older Southern, you know, mm-hmm. and, and um, they're coming from, I think, Atlanta. So they're in city people. They're city and, people. And by and large, city people are more progressive or liberal or what have you, right? Like yes. they're more inclusive and, and want to be yes. on that cutting edge. And the wife didn't, the wife was clearly not a fan of this guy being active in whatever yeah. politics he was. Uh, doing and she was kind of one of the baddies too so yeah you can get the the subcontext yeah. as they're talking about segregation behind the yeah behind and, the and, they, and they so they go to this plantation which is the father slash husband's mom no wife's mom oh the wife's mom wife's mom Eric, I, I yeah, thought yeah. it wasn't because the dad kept saying I remember growing up and and hearing Uncle Remus's stories oh and he said that multiple is. times so I oh, feel like it was it his family plantation it could be and then that would add a little bit extra to his kind of maybe guilt about the whole system why yeah. he would be pro Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And uh, abolishing slavery and, uh, you know, integrating fully. But I think uh, I think it was his because he was telling his son on the carriage ride about About Uncle Uncle Remus Remus. and the funny stories about Briar Rabbit and all that stuff. So I feel like it was his mom. But then they drop him off there. And the kid gets like really upset that the dad is going back to Atlanta. Yes. Like really, really upset. Um and then the grandma has Toby, a boy of similar age, um, black boy. Yes. B, I can't even remember the, the white kid's name. Johnny. Johnny, that's right. Uh, B, Johnny's kind of guide to show him around the, the plantation and all that stuff. So Yes. Uh, the black boy was Aunt Tempe's nephew. Okay. I don't know if Aunt Tempe was related to Uncle Remus or not. It's hard to say how this all goes. Yeah. Like, yeah, like yeah. we said, it's a Disney movie. They're not really spending screen time explaining how everybody's related. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, here's the family plantation. Here's grandma. Here's, you know, black people. Yes. And uh, let's go get this done. So. Right. But of course, the boy is is uh, very interested in Uncle Remus and every older black man that he sees, he asks if that's Uncle Remus. And then he decides that he's going to uh, sneak out and sneak back to Atlanta, which has to be like a 500 mile walk or something ridiculous. Um, And then he happens upon Uncle Remus himself. And the rest of the movie kind of continues. And that's like the first, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Right. And Uncle Remus saves the day because he catches Johnny in the act of running away and he manipulates the child yeah, back he says to the manor house. Yeah. Well, he says he's going to go with him and yes. goes through the motions of packing up and like, well, it's a, it's a mighty long walk and, you know, it's going to be, do you have any food? And Johnny's like, no, I don't have any food. And he's like, oh, well, we better go back to my place and get some food. And then, of course, there's the fire and he starts telling stories. And then, you know, he's like, hey, do you still, let's go. We got to get going to Atlanta. And the little boy's like, well, maybe we can stay here. Yeah. So he <laughs> so, walks back to the plantation. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But now you were saying there's four main bad guys. Oh, there's four main bad guys. So this story is Johnny's adventures on this plantation. And yeah, there's some poor white people who are probably the overseers. Yeah. Of the sharecroppers. So they're baddies. The adults are the baddies, but yeah. they're kind of behind the scenes. 
there's two boys and a little girl. And one yep. of the pivotal moments <laughs> is when the little boys were torturing some dogs and they were threatening to drown a puppy. Yeah, the runt. Or the something. runt. And the little girl steals the puppy away and gives it to Johnny. And then, uh, long story short, Johnny's mom, who's also one of the baddies, tries to yeah, force. You see what he, she was dressing him in? <laughs> Yes. Like, that's baddie level right there yeah, before she, was, she even opens her mouth. Yeah, she was dressing them in, like, little girl's clothes and all this sort of stuff. Well, I'm sure it was, like, you know, city gentleman mm-hmm. little kid wear. But, you know, back in that, I think it was a modern invention around, like, the 1950s where they actually stopped putting uh, boys and girls, babies, baby boys and baby girls in the same clothes. They used to just put both both genders in a dress. Yes. Because it was easy to change the diaper. It didn't matter. The Amish there didn't until they were like three or four years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there wasn't any like blue or pink associated with any gender. And then, you know, corporations found out they could make a lot more money if they, you know, gendered their baby clothing. Right. You had to double up. Yeah. So... Um, you know, so, so I think some of it's that and some of it's like, what would the aristocrats be in, wearing in Atlanta yeah. be wearing? And I mean, this is some, this is some frilly stuff. Like Very it's, frilly. it's not, yeah. uh, not, uh, Tom Sawyer running around the riverbanks no, kind of no. here, but he's running around in his fancy suits around the plantation and of course getting mocked by it by the the poor boys the poor white boys right um i don't think any of the black boys or black characters had any issue with his outfit no it was only the it was the, only the the poor white the poor whites yeah. uh were yeah so the, the poor whites are torturing animals and doing all this crazy stuff like i say it's not it's all subtext right like <laughs> they're not very nice these poor yeah. white people yeah <laughs> And uh, so anyway, John, and you can like read into that stuff, but I think it's like, it's a Disney movie and just for the kids, right? Like the kids are just like, oh, these are some white people that live there. Probably the kids are just like, these are some people that live there that are kind of nasty. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the daughter's nice, but the dad is gone. The dad was not present largely. Yeah, Yeah. he showed up at the end, but he must have been on a business trip or something. He was out with the, he was out in the fields overseeing, I'm guessing. maybe. Yeah. (laughs) But he didn't, because the movie spans several days. Yes. I believe. Yeah, very, yeah, very clearly several days. But the husband was never there and they kind of made a big whole thing like daddy's back. Yep. So... I don't know where he, I can't remember. Maybe he was on business and yeah, who knows? Atlanta it doesn't. He's not really. A character it doesn't matter. Story. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not even. He's even when you, you see him on screen, him. he's in the back. He's so far, yeah, he's so far back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, his mom's kind of a baddie, and so Uncle Remus takes the dog, which is against the wishes of the mother. And yep. it all gets found out, and the mom freaks out at Uncle Remus, and, and pretty much him, forbids Uncle Remus from uh, associating with Johnny at all. Yep, in and, a uh, very weird way. Uh, it's subcontext right like yeah, she is yeah, not a nice lady yes not a nice lady at all uh and uh anyway johnny ends up getting run over by a bull and somehow survives and then his dad shows up yeah uncle yep. remus saves the day again well, yeah and the weird know? and the weird thing at the end was um johnny's mom was such a complete and utter bitch uncle remus and at the end like his uncle remus was packing his bags to leave his home to get away from them yeah, yeah, and then and yeah. then like the bull thing happens, and then he's just back and happy again, and the mom never once apologized to him, right? You know, yeah. so the mom was so unpleasant that Uncle Remus thought it was better for him to leave than to stay. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there's a lot of subtext that I like, I don't understand why they <laughs> why this is supposed to be some super racist film because the yeah. subtext is all there. It's clear as day yeah. if you watch it critically. Yeah. And it's all there, and it, I feel like it shows everyone that could be offended, or who you think would be offended. It shows 
everyone there in a really positive light. Like there are no bad uh, villains of this story that are black. No, no, all the all all the main characters are black, and they're yeah. all goodies. Yeah, if not outright heroic type characters yeah. who keep on saving these children from injuring themselves on this plantation unsupervised by yes. their parents. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, and they're shown to be doing things and working and and you know being productive. Yeah, they're productive you know, members of the and, society. And the white people aren't. Yeah, they're just exactly. kind of like dressing up their boy in little like girl dresses and uh, yeah, and being lace collars. Yeah, and being psychotic a holes yeah. to the people who are helping them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's racist. Mm-mm. I think you know if you're going to try and explore. It's a movie. Those, those kind of themes in a Disney film, like this, is probably the movie to emulate. Yeah, it's a movie from a different era, and like I say, Uncle Remus was the main character, a hero type. He did not have a crazy accent. Uh, probably, I mean, I think he was trying to be accurate to like that era. Uh, yeah, but it wasn't uh, absurd by yeah, any means. It wasn't so much an accent as it was more of a cadence. Yes, you know, yeah, and exactly. you know, using some of the words that one would expect an older Old black Southern person yeah. of that you know era to use, because by and large, the, the enslaved people at the time were forbidden from learning to read or write, so they just kind of absolutely used it was used slang more so definitely banned. So the uh, only thing that I didn't like. Oh, is Uncle Remus calling Johnny Honey all the time? Yeah, and that's, which was weird, but I think that's just a 1940s thing. Southerners still do it. There's, yeah, uh, somebody I know who happens to be a black lady who's from the South, and she calls everybody Honey and Sugar all the time, and she's in her 50s, and that's just how she talks. Yeah, so you know, I, I I'm assuming that that's just like uh, original to the story. Yeah, that were written in the how... 1880s for God's sakes, you know. It's definitely a different era. Yeah, and so this movie kind of plays out. Um, if anyone has seen. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Yes, I have. Right, and that's like that one is still out. You can watch it on Disney Plus and everything. But that has a, a theme of Nazism through there because it's set during World War Two. Yes, and stuff. And so I don't see why that one could be okay, and Song of the South is somehow not okay. Um, but the point I was trying to make was that in Bed knobs and broomsticks is largely a live action film. But they have sequences of animated uh, sections where the live actors are interacting with animation. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like the precursor to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yes. Or, you know, any of the Marvel movies. Yeah, basically. So, um, and all of the uh, the Briar stories are animated. They have Uncle Remus Uncle Remus will sometimes um, yeah. walk or appear in the animation as a live actor to kind of bookend or set us in the direction we need to go in the animated world story. Yes. Uh, So yeah, we kind of overviewed. I wanted to talk about Aunt Tempe. Yes. Because Aunt Tempe was played by Hattie McDaniel. And Hattie McDaniel is Mammy from Gone with the Wind. And that just came out a couple years before. And she won an Academy Award for it. And that uh, performance has been criticized as being stereotypical and racist. Uh, And maybe it was. Her Gone with the Wind. Her Gone with the Wind role. Just so we're clear. Yeah, and Hattie McDaniel (laughs) herself defended it, saying that her own grandmother was a slave on a plantation who was a domestic. Yep. And so she was like, hold on a second here. Yeah. Yeah, like this is accurate to her perception. Yeah. But in Song of the South, Hattie McDaniel was speaking in her normal voice. Yeah. There was no accent at all. I mean, she was just, she sang. Yeah. And she did, she was... Just the domestic in the household yeah. with a normal voice. 
and I don't. I thought for sure that was going to be the the zinger. Yeah, and it wasn't. It was just yeah, that was kind normal. Of, that was weird because like the whole film, like you're told it's it's such a racist film. I was and, waiting and for the Disney, shooting drop, and yeah. Disney is you know actively trying, and and they did I guess release it, but I don't think they released it on DVD or anything. They might have just done it was some, never released in some, the states. Some theatrical stuff or it, in the states. It was never released in. But the I know states. even as as old as, or as as recent as 2010, they had a release. But it was out. But I think it's a terrible transfer. Oh, okay. Um, and that's why this 35 millimeter restoration was so is good. such a it's such yeah. a good one. But yeah, I was you know you're being told that this movie is offensive and racist, and I just kind of kept watching it and like on edge almost. Like, is this is this where they're gonna like? Are they dropping like the n word in here or like what what makes this movie so right. racist? And and I was waiting for something, and there was it was very very much benign in my opinion. It was benign, and like I say. A critical viewing, which I was doing automatically, the subtext of the whites being bad was there yeah. for sure throughout the whole thing. And I uh, I just don't know what else you can expect from a movie from 1946. Yeah. Even, so I did more research, like I do. Yeah. Uh, the actor that played uh, Uncle Remus, now I can't remember his dang name, of course. I got his name in my thing here. Uh, James Bassett was... 44 in 1948. So he was in his, like, 41. Yeah. Playing Uncle Remus, and he died in 48. Yeah. But he uh, didn't go to the premiere because it was segregated, and okay. he uh, didn't go. Yeah. Uh, uh, McDaniel went, but he protested it. Okay. And then after his death, Disney was the one that uh, put his name forward to get an Oscar for the film. Okay, yeah. Uh, and that's why he got an Oscar. So this film has three Oscars or two Oscar winners yeah. and an Oscar winning song in the movie. Yeah. It's insane. And the yeah, song is nice. good. It's a good song, yeah. 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 They uh, they parody it. And this makes that bit in, um, it's the second Fletch movie with Chevy Chase. Uh, there's a scene where he inherits a plantation. And so he goes down to live at this plantation and then there's a whole scene where he does zippity doo and he's in a white, you know, the white cotton suit and uh -huh. the animated bluebird comes on his shoulder, of course. Yep, yep. Like it's a huge parody of Song of the South. Yeah. But it doesn't hit home for our generation because none of us have been able to see Song of the South because right. Disney pulled it. Right. You know, I also think this could easily be remade. Yes. It's good. Make a good and, remake. And, and, and that's where our fun little activity is. I think we're about halfway with the cigars. Yeah, we're about there. Halfway-ish. Uh, yeah. We can do a quick cigar check, and then we're going to do kind of our, uh, if we were to remake it today, um, and kind of go through that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. I like it. It's good. Yep. It's smooth. Smooth. It's got a little bite. Got a little bit of a bite. I, I was worried about that when we first lit it up. Yeah, I was a little apprehensive. Uh, but, but it's turned out to be good. A yeah, good it's good. It's good. So, I was expecting a good cigar. Yeah. I will not tell a lie. I, I don't think I've had an Oliva or Oliva. 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 Sorry. The, the, the I, emphasis, I don't know, The man. emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. Um, the, think of Boliva watches. Okay. And then take the B off. Yes. I think. Again, Probably. It's all accents. Yeah. Like like this Song of the South thing. It's like, well, is the accent offensive? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. It's not over if, the top. If the accent is historically accurate. It, it didn't seem you know, over the top to me. But nothing seemed over the top. And we just watched um, Murder by Death. Which I think it's from the '60s, and it was kind of it's kind of like Clue, but Peter Sellers is in it. Okay, and of course, well, there's a lot of uh, famous actors in it. Um, and of course, like oh, uh, human, uh, yeah, human, <laughs> Truman Capote is in it, and uh, some other people. It's not important, uh, but Peter Sellers plays a Chinese person the entire film. Right, and you know, it's like that is still out there, and you can still get it. But that, to me, is like that's kind of what's the movie that had Marlon Brando as a uh, Japanese guy? Was it Marlon Brando know. or was it um, Mickey York? 
Mickey, 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 I thought it was Marlon Brando. I don't know. There was, there was, there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one, and then there was one whole James Bond movie with Sean Connery where they're like, "We're gonna make you look Asian," and so they put like extra eyelids on him or something for one scene, and then he's supposed, and they gave him like a bowl cut. Yeah, and that I'm like, but that's that's more offensive to me than anything in Song of the South. Oh, for sure. I mean, the Genghis Khan where uh, John, yeah, John Wayne, Wayne. yeah, yeah, Genghis Khan, like. Really? I think the reason, and this is just my opinion, I think the reason why those are more acceptable is because they're making fun of Asian people, and Asian people are largely integrated into the majority culture in America. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that doesn't mean it's not offensive. It does not mean it's not offensive. You know, but in I think that, in that era, that was kind of the thing to do in Hollywood pictures, I think, was make fun of Asians for a bit. Right. It's like Native Americans and early Westerns, right? Like, yeah. 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 Some of them, some of the older Westerns, I thought about this, too. The later John Waynes and the Clint Eastwoods, yeah. the Native Americans are sympathetically portrayed openly. Yeah. Like, even in the earlier black and white stuff. Well, and, some, and a lot of those, like the speaking roles of the Native Americans are given to white actors. Yes. Um, but I think still one of my favorites is uh, The Searchers with John Wayne. Mm-hmm. Because that's like, John Wayne is very much like the villain throughout that whole thing. Right. You know, yeah, up until the end. Yeah. You know, but it kind of, it, it's almost like, what was that movie with uh, Clint Eastwood? Grand something and where, Grand he's like, where he's like the angry guy sitting on his porch. Yeah, like that's like the searchers is John Wayne's kind of like version of that mm-hmm. or or whatever, where he's like the angry racist guy that you're like, and he fought for the South. Remember, he came back yep. from the war and and he never really talked about his war stuff, but he was very clearly a Confederate soldier. Yeah, very clearly, yeah, yeah on the on the <laughs> racist side of yeah. the spectrum, openly. So, so, you know, I mean, but it's a great film because it's more of a character study and less of which race is, is good or bad. I right. mean, there's some of that, but, like, it's more a character study and, and things, so. And, like, this, like, uh, Song of the South is all kind of, like, little morality tales, so it's, like, original series Star Trek, where it's, like, right. there are little things where Briar Rabbit has to get himself out of these, these uh, troubles, uh, there was one scene and I looked it up because it was such a silly term to me, uh, the tar baby. Yes. And they made the tar baby. And so apparently um, that's something from other cultures and they, they ball up some tar and, and then you get stuck in it. Right. So. So. But uh, it has been used as a racist slur, but it didn't yes. originate as one. It has. So I looked this up. So the tar baby story, the best version is from 1880 and it comes from Uncle Remus. Uh, and there's a long history. There's versions of it. They've surfaced in uh, Nigeria, Brazil, Corsica, Jamaica, India, the Philippines, and the American South. And it has a long story based in the slave cultures of those countries. And the subtext is the stories of how they were captured and became slaves. Right. So this is like a folklore tale. From the slave's perspective about how they were captured and forced into slavery. And that's why the fox and the bear are like the baddies, right? And they aren't dumb. They're not the wise character. The rabbit is the wise character. And the rabbit is supposed to be the uh, person in the story or the being in the story you are identifying with. Yeah. So, But he's kind of like, he's almost like a Bugs Bunny because he definitely is a troublemaker. mm Mm-hmm. And he thinks he's too smart to get caught, but he gets caught in every story. And then he has to be smarter than he was to get into it, to get out of it. So Right, exactly. And that's kind of the whole theme of the thing is the stories I think that Uncle Remus in this movie picked were stories that would resonate with Johnny to get him to be okay with his dad not being there. Just like Right, and the stories relate to whatever fiasco Johnny got himself that Uncle Remus 
had to go and find Johnny and save him from himself. Yeah. That's the theme over and over yeah. again. Is Uncle Remus is saving Johnny from the natural consequences of Johnny's actions. Yeah. <laughs> As he's yeah. running around an yeah, uh, unfamiliar environment. Yeah, Johnny gets to fuck around and Uncle Remus prevents him from finding out. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny's running around in an unfamiliar environment doing dangerous things to yeah, Uncle Remus making, continually. Making enemies with the hillbilly boys. <laughs> the that enemies with just, the psychotic hillbilly that, yeah, boys that were who drown drown a dog. Dogs. Like, if they would have had a sack big enough for Johnny, I think they would have just dropped him in the river. Right. Yeah, they were, like, torturing the dog on screen. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It didn't have the uh, it didn't have the PETA disclaimer at the no at no, the no. end. This like, is before uh, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I would say that the most or the least kid friendly things were the stories with the cartoons because they're talking about skinning the rabbit alive. Yeah, skinning the rabbit, burning him, and wanting to yeah. not, like, cut his head off. Or, yeah, yeah. Bash his brains in. That's pretty stuff. explicit things they were going to do to this animated rabbit. Yes, and well, and again, if you look at the context of the stories. The rabbit are the slaves, and the uh, fox and the bear represent the slave captors or the slave masters. Yeah. And they're the baddies, right? Like, yeah. this is the context of the story. It's kind of interesting. Okay, well, let's uh, let's go through some of the casting stuff. Um, I've got uh, IMDb up on the laptop here, and we can do it on our phones, too, in case we mention actors. Uh, because I tried not to go super, super, super well-known with some of the people. Okay. Um, but just who I felt would... Do it justice. Okay. So, I, I went two different routes. Yeah. This so, is going to be a treat for you guys. <laughs> yes. Because I did a real one that I thought, and then I did one where I, I'm trying to imagine myself in the place of modern Disney. Yeah. So, well, let's go through both of our ones, and then we'll do the the politically correct or the modern Disney one. Yes. And then we'll talk about any plot points we've changed. Sounds good. So, I don't know. Do you just want to start with Uncle Remus? Yeah. I'll start with Uncle Remus. All right. Uh, I think that Uncle Remus should be Denzel Washington. Okay. And the reason why I think this is because if they were to remake it, they would have to have the main actor have some gravitas and respectability and enough talent to be able to sing and to be able to do a little dance number and to be active enough to save Johnny in these misadventures. And uh, Denzel's old enough to be the grandfatherly character. I can see that. I don't know if Denzel sings. Guarantee but you know guy. what? It doesn't. It doesn't even really matter because nowadays in movies they just get bring in somebody else to do the song. Right. Right. So that doesn't matter. Okay. So for Uncle Remus, I had two two picks. Uh, the first one was Stephen McKinley Henderson or Jeffrey Wright. I do not know who either one of those are. Okay, that's why we've got this up. So I will uh, pull this up here, and I think this is good because I wanted to. Stephen McKinley Henderson. He was in Fences, I think, uh, recently. Um, and Lady Bird, Bo is Afraid, he was in Lincoln. Okay. Uh, but this is him, and I just felt like... Yeah, he does kind of look... He looks the part, yeah. right? He looks a lot like the actor that played Uncle Remus in yep. the 46 version. Not not portly, heavier set, a yep. little bit, but not, uh, not bad. I thought he would be good because he's got just that kind of, like, uncle face. Or, like, the kind, older gentleman face. Uh, and then Jeffrey Wright. The, oh, I've seen him before. Yeah, he's yeah, been yeah. in lots of things. He's, yep. uh, he was in The Batman, Shaft, Broken Sure, Flowers. he looks similar to the uh, actor that played Uncle Remus as well. Yeah, you know. Yep. And so I just felt like those were both, they were lesser known. Because at yep. first I was like, well, they'd probably cast Will Smith in the remake. You know? uh, no, we don't want Will Smith. No, we don't want, we Will, don't Smith, want Will Smith. But like that would be one no. of the things where it's like, well, he already played the genie in Aladdin, and so now he can do that. Um not that Will Smith isn't a very talented actor, and he could do the singing. Yeah, I mean, he could, he could do the stuff. I'm just yeah, 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 yeah. You know. So, yeah, so I, those are my two picks. Yep, that um, makes sense. I, I could go, I would be happy with either. I'd yes. be happy with Denzel, too. 
Oh, yeah. Well, uh-huh. I went with Denzel just because I was like, oh, this is going to be controversial. Yeah. We have to have the main two the main stars have to be people who are respected. Yeah. And who they're not going to get, you know, you're not going to give Denzel Washington flack about no. a serious role, you know? Yeah, probably. So they have to be able to take the heat. Uh, who do I mean, you otherwise, like, you know, like Samuel L. Jackson was yeah. like, he's kind of like the first one that like popped into my head, but I was like, he's kind of overplayed. He couldn't do the Sam now, Jackson so, you stick. Know, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He could be a background character. He could be... Yeah. One of the yeah, other yeah, yeah. older guys running around that they run into. Yeah. Uh, so let's do Sally, which is the mom. Sally, which is the mom. I have two people. And okay, I, okay. My, my first? I have two people as well. Oh, okay. Uh, you, why don't you go first? Because they're okay. going to know who mine are. All right. So Sally. Know. Well, and I picked some known people for other stuff. I wanted okay. Uncle Remus. Like, I, I wanted that look. Kind of like, I wanted the actor to innately have that look. Sure. To yeah, be yeah. like the fatherly or the grandfatherly. You know, like I would totally sit down and listen to this dude tell a story about literally any. Right. Um, and not in a creepy way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's why I didn't put Joe Biden down uh, <laughs> to play Uncle Remus. <laughs> anyway, uh, so for Sally, I put Je- Jessica Chastain. I, I've heard the. I don't know. Who okay, that is. yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll look it up so I can see. Um, <laughs> and then the other one was uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> but she was in uh, Bryce Dallas Howard was in the new um, Jurassic Parks. Oh, yeah, I know who that is. Oh, um, okay. I, I've seen her. Before. I wanted someone kind of like that could do like kind of the Southern Belle type. Yes. Thing. So yes. My first choice was a southern, a well-known southern okay. musician, Go on. Miley Cyrus. Okay, I thought that Miley. Yeah. First of all, Miley Cyrus. So in my ideal remake, there's going to be a musical part with the grandmother and with the mother being nasty, unpleasant people. Okay, yeah. So I wanted the mother to have some chops. Yes. And Miley Cyrus, of course, can do that role. Yes. Uh, and she and she's got the attitude to be able to pull off kind of the. She could be the wicked mother. Yeah. Because, yeah, you need that. You need somebody that has that kind of edge to be the mom. Because when she's talking to Uncle Remus, it's, you know. Yeah, you do not like her. Yeah. Yeah, she, actively, she is unpleasant. Even the child. Johnny doesn't like his own mother. Yeah. <laughs> and the husband is kind yeah. of doesn't like his own wife a little yeah. bit. He's yeah. like, eh, I don't know. Yeah, because there was later. kind of a little subplot of that, too, where the grandmother was like, well, Johnny needs his dad, and so do you. Yeah. To the, to the mom. So. Yeah, the mom's like, I'm a strong, okay. independent woman. Yeah, blah, so, blah, blah, blah. so the dad, see that. who would you cast as the dad? Well, first of all, my second choice for the mother was Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. Uh, just because she's getting older and she's got acting chops and she yeah. could do the role and she's well known. Yeah, yeah. And people would be like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. And that's kind of back in my mind. I'm like, you have to have these people that they're not going to run away from the role. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My father was Chris Pine. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah, I yeah, picked yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson because he okay. just has the sideburns already. Yeah, mostly, you know. Um, and he's got, you know, like the the dad's not in there a whole lot, so mm-hmm. you don't really have to do anything. And Patrick Wilson is the star of Inc- the Insidious franchise, right? Yeah, I think, I think. so. so yeah. Like he's got he's got enough acting chops to play the dad. You know, yep. kind of aloof or you know focused on his troubles at home. Yep. Um, and I just thought he looked an awful lot like the person they cast as the dad in, yes. in the original one anyway. And, yeah. you know, he's, an, I thought he's Robert an inoffensive. Pattinson on the look, but Robert Pattinson's not an American from the South. Yep. And that, to me, would be important. Yes. Um, you know, and, and like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, the dad isn't a huge No, huge he's role, only in two scenes, basically. You know, yeah, so. it's basically just who would you want to see. Right. He know? adds subtext to the beginning and to the end of the story for the political backdrop yeah. of the film. I mean, you could certainly, and we'll talk about this part later, but you could certainly give more scenes to the dad or have him in a few more scenes. Yeah. He, you know, just to kind of like round out the character a little bit. He's a friction creator in the yeah. story. So, All right. So Aunt Tempe. 
Aunt Tempe. Now, I have the same actress for both my fantasy version mm. and my Disney blah, blah, okay. blah version. And that... And we said it wasn't Lizzo. Not Lizzo. And this is important to me. So, uh, Hattie McDaniel was the first woman to win... The first black woman to win an Oscar. Who was the second yes. black woman to ever win an Oscar? Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. And I thought that Whoopi Goldberg, she she's, got, that. she's got the abilities and it's a nice tie-in with yep, the Oscar yep. things. Like, there's a lot of politics there. Yeah. And I haven't seen Whoopi Goldberg in a film in a long time and I'd really like yep. to see her. Well, she's doing, isn't she doing like a news show? She's or on like the a viewers. talking heads show yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah. they call them. It's a waste of her talent. She's, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so I had Octavia Spencer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that so makes sense too. I just, you know, someone with acting chops that yep. can do it. I feel like she's... If she were given a, a big song and dance number, she's spry enough to be able to do it. Right. You know. I just want to see Whoopi Goldberg with her yeah, dreadlocks yeah. on the screen, yeah. like doing the dance and the singing. Yeah. And, yeah so, yeah. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I didn't cast any of the kids. Uh, I didn't cast Johnny, Ginny, or Toby because I just kind of felt in my heart that it would just be casting some unknowns. On my version, I did not cast the kids. Okay. On the Disney version, I did okay. cast yeah, the kids. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, we're on the same. <laughs> so the grandmother, who would you do as the grandmother? All right, so I had an initial jerk, yep. and then I thought about it, and I picked somebody else. I know, I had an initial jerk, too, and then I picked someone else. Yeah, my, who was your initial one? Uh, who, what, um, oh, man, I just had her name in my head. She's the one that always wins Oscars all the time, and she's in every street. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Uh, that was like my initial. I was like, "Oh, Meryl Streep." She's she's my grandmother for the Disneyfication oh, version. Okay, yeah. but my initial jerk was uh, Paula Dean because she's like well known and she's publicly yes. a not nice person. Yes. And I was like, on second thought, I'm like, she's probably not going to be able to do any singing with Miley Cyrus. Yeah. So I picked uh, Kathy Bates. Ooh, hey, that's a good one. Yeah, I picked. Yeah. Um, I went a little different, so like I tried to cast uh, body type for most of the other ones. Uh, for the the grandmother, I picked Sigourney Weaver. Oh, sure, yeah. I thought she'd have the 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 gravitas to be able to be play nasty. a complex character. Yeah, right, because the grandma is sometimes mean, but sometimes nice, uh-huh. and like she sometimes dislikes the black people, but dislikes her daughter in law. But also has to be nice to the daughter-in-law. So, like, it's kind of like layers that this yeah. actress would have to portray. Right. And that's why I got went away from Paula Deen. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know if she's got the abilities to do that effectively yeah, and on there's, screen. And there's, and there's such public outcry about her that it would be a very controversial casting choice right. just for, like, box office. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I did go ahead and I cast Miss Favors, which is the, the mother of the three little rapscallions. Oh, okay. I did not. Okay. I did so not. So this is the mom. She's got scenes. Yeah, she does. Uh, and, and dialogue. I picked Mia Goth. So she was in um, X, but I thought, because she's done all these horror films, um, but she has like a really, really nice um, kind of like presence. So it's like... Oh, okay. Sure. You know, she looks like she could um, be a poor white lady. But, you know, like look in some of these oh, sure. things. Like she, she could totally play that. Yeah. And she could do it where she would be, she could be very nice to the daughter. Ginny, which is how the mom is, and pretty nasty to the boys, which is kind of how it is. And right. so yep. Mia Goth, if you haven't seen X or Pearl, like I highly, highly recommend those. And she can she can flip like in like in a heartbeat. Okay. From like, you know Zero to just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So those were kind of my picks. Um so I did more. Oh, okay. I did more. Yeah. Did you, did you do the voices for the animated I did ones? Do okay, the voices yeah, for the yeah. animated ones. So for Briar Rabbit, who is the main protagonist. I thought Tracy Morgan would be a great voice mm-hmm. actor. And then I looked at the original script and uh, James Beckett, he or Basket, 
he voiced the fox. Yeah. So I was like, well, they could have Denzel Washington voice Briar Rabbit yep. and just do a little turn. Yeah. And that would be acceptable. But I thought Tracy Morgan would be great because he's kind of a goofy character yep. who's fun loving. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Tracy Morgan, that's good. Yep. I can do that. No, Chris Rock would be okay Chris too. Chris Rock I think. could do it. Like, oh, for sure. You know, it's just a distinct voice. You don't yeah. have to like Chris Rock to, you know, yeah. to support him in, in this because it's just a voice, right? It's just you a know? voice. So I also did The Fox. Okay. And that, to me, that screamed Eddie Murphy. Yeah. He's an incredible voice actor. Yes. And The Fox yes. talks a lot. Yes. And, and and does a lot of the fast talking that uh, Eddie Murphy is known well for. known for. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Murphy would be great. Uh, the Bear. I only had one idea for The Bear, and that would be Larry the Cable Guy. Okay. Because he's kind of the dumb southern accent yep. stereotype. Yep. And he's done and, He's done voice acting in uh, Cars. Right. Cars and franchise. Larry the Cable Guy has that. Down. Like, yeah. he's got that yep. shtick yep. down. I would want... So, Larry the Cable Guy in Cars, I think, was kind of the height of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. So, he was doing a lot of his Larry the Cable Guy-isms is- mm-hmm. in the movie Cars. So, I would want Larry the Cable Guy to not be just doing no. the Larry the Cable Guy shtick. I'd want him to be doing the voice right. as as a whole new character. Yeah, I would want him to do but the with, bear with his like cadence and, and stuff. But I don't need the you know. Yeah, like, he's got to be brutish and yeah, violent. Yeah. I don't want just him to like be like. Bear. Mm, that's funny, right there. Yeah, you exactly. know, like I don't need that shtick from him. Yeah, but he could do it. He needs to be the dumb, um, violent animal. Yeah. Guess. Now I think in the in the original 1946 version, all of the animated characters were voiced by black yes. actors. Yes, they were. So I was trying to. I wasn't going to do the voices, and I kind of got stuck because I'm like, I don't, you know, I don't really know. Who, I mean, like, James Earl Jones would be awesome. James Earl Jones is the, the frog. Oh, the frog, okay. That's who I had yeah, him as, okay. the frog. Yeah, because yeah, he had that real deep, gravelly yep, voice. And yep. I'm like, he was kind of a narrator and not directly involved. And I was yeah. like, that's perfect for James before. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much our recasting. But now yeah. I have I have the new and improved casting. All right, let's do the one you're sending to Bob Iger's desk. All right, so the grandmother, who's evil. She's got to be evil, and she yep. has to be Meryl Streep. Yeah, because she's, be. she's an evil character. She can do it. Yeah. The mother, RuPaul. Okay. RuPaul. It's RuPaul. You know, it's very flamboyant. Yeah. And the mother can be, it's got to be. The father, Chaz Bono. Okay. Yeah. Chaz is going to have to maybe lose some weight, yep. you know, to fit in the carriage with all the other characters in yeah. that scene. Yeah. But yeah. Chaz Bono all the way. Uh, the uh, little boy, yep. I can't remember his name now. Johnny. Toby. Toby. Oh, Toby. Toby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be a girl now. We're recasting Toby. Yep. Okay. Uh, 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 any black girl will work. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> the little girl, Ginny, she's now going to be indigenous. She's not going to be. White. Yep. Okay. Remus, Uncle Remus, is now Uncle Remus again, but it's going to be played by Leslie Jones. Okay. And not a Leslie Jones in drag, just Leslie Jones, and they're going to ignore everything and just say, my name is Uncle Remus, and I am Leslie Jones. Yep. Uh, Aunt Tempe, it's going to be Whoopi Goldberg again, because, yeah, it makes sense. It actually does make sense. It's too much. Briar Rabbit, Melissa McCarthy. Yep. Because Melissa McCarthy does that fast talk, and she's entertaining in that way. The Fox... Because the fox is nasty and unpleasant and smart, it's gonna be Ellen DeGeneres. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bear, it's gonna be Selma Hayek. Okay. Yep. Because you got to get some diversity in this casting. Yes. I had to get at least one Hispanic person as a main character. Yep. Now Ginny is gonna be any trans uh, person of color, child. Okay. Uh, doesn't matter. But it's got to be diversity. Yep. The brothers, the two evil brothers, are gonna be white boys still. Got to yep. be. Yep. You know, because they're evil. Yeah. And all that. And then the frog. Who, again, very small role, more yep. narration to me, Dylan Mulvaney. Okay. Now, did you notice what I did with those? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I did. So, um, would you still set it in Reconstruction as South? You almost, you could do it. 
You could recast it in the story time setting, like the old Walt Disney stories where he'd open it up in like a library library yeah. setting. Yep. And Uncle Remus could be there reading to Johnny and yep. Toby. You know what I mean? And yeah. introduce it through this lens. And then they could go into a fantasy of Reconstructionist South. But you'd have to have the sharecroppers more openly not like their job. Yeah. I was thinking about taking it and setting it in some kind of like uh, like urban setting, you know, like maybe oh, sure. maybe like downtown Atlanta. But I was thinking maybe not modern times, but set it in like the desegregation era, oh, like sure. the 1950s or, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. right? And just kind of update it. Uh, have some so civil, a little bit civil more rights plots, a little bit more modern. Yeah, uh, get away from some of that, uh, you know, the plantation kind of stuff, um, since it's obviously offensive to people it is offensive uh, you to know, people but it's it's that doesn't mean it didn't happen i'm just saying like if you want to make this film today right you can still call it song of the south set it in the south set it in atlanta or somewhere and then have it be more about uh the integration or desegregation right right and then you could and then the the a lot of the stuff will still work you know the the tension between the mom and uncle remus yes you know and some of that other stuff so yeah i think that the there should be more tension between the mother the grandmother and uncle remus yeah. Uh, yeah. The, there's subtext in the original that they couldn't fully explore. Yeah. And it was a brisk, like, hour 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah so it's, it was yeah, not a long it's movie. An hour and a half much. long movie. Well, it's an hour and 34 minutes, including the intro and the outro. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> what other changes would you make to it? You said you had added scenes or. Uh... Oh, yeah. The added scenes would be the mother and the grandmother have to do a musical number where they're naughty and bad. Yes. Right. That's the thing. And yep. then the sharecroppers, you could have the two scenes of the sharecroppers yep. that they had going to and from the fields. Yeah. But they have to be like miserable and possibly, you know, more politically active. Yeah. And then the end scene where they're all hovering around the manor house when Johnny was hurt, that cut that. Yeah. We don't yeah. need that. No. No. Um, I think the song that the grandmother and, and mom would do w- would have to be something where they're, they're not overtly singing about supporting racism and slavery, but it would be something along the lines of like the daughter-in-law would be like, oh, you had it so much easier when you were my age to the grandmother. And so, they would kind of be yeah. like pining for the old days without actually explicitly saying like, we want slavery back. Yes. Right. Yeah, it would it'd be something to, like, yeah. You know, where you could take it in one way and all the kids would take it as like, hey, change is good and, and oh. look forward and, and stuff. I and think that everyone they, else would be like, they want slavery. If they were going to do a remake, I think they'd have to do a PG-13 Probably. and have a little more edge to it. Yeah, like it would yeah. be a, uh, a teenager movie, like informational kind of with yeah. folklore tales. And yep. Because you could totally make the Johnny character and the Toby character older. Yeah. Yeah, you, know? you could. And even even as it is now, it's not a G movie anymore. No, not with the level of violence in it. Yeah, it's even though they don't show a lot of the violence, but they like, talk about when it. they cut the bear's tail off, when the bear that? says yes, uh, when the bear says he wants to knock his head off, and then proceeds to try to knock his head off. Yeah, and the fox tries to roast him on the spit, and then does yep. roast him yep. alive. On yep. the spit. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not G-rated. No, for modern sensibilities. Yeah, PG like PG thirteen. Yeah. You know, so but I. Disney's such a bunch of wussies. I don't get why they don't release us with disclaimer. It is no worse than Gone with the Wind. Yeah, and it's no worse than like Aristocats, mm-hmm. where they've got like the Siamese cats that are, you know, Asian stereotypes. It's nowhere near as bad as Peter Pan. Yeah. That Peter what, Pan's, what makes the red man red? Yeah, that is over the top. Yeah. Like yeah. That, over the top. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I don't understand why they wouldn't. I feel like this is a movie that's 
is exactly what you need that disclaimer for, right? Like, right. there's still good stuff in this movie, and it's showing us how times were. We don't endorse the way things were, or whatever their disclaimer is, right? Like, right. This is about a specific this time be, period in American history. This would be a perfect one to release with a documentary with it. Like, an hour-long documentary yeah. about the actors, and about the times, yep. and about the context yep. of the releases, and the segregation that was going on, and, yeah. like, well, the backstories. Who was that? There was a, a famous black act, actor or actress that was calling for the release of this film. They wanted Disney to release it. Oh, I don't know. I don't um, know. Yeah. I just don't uh, think that Disney thinks it's worth the effort. Um, yeah. You would think, though, that it would be such an easy, like, cash grab for them. Because that's what they're interested in now, is they make, yeah. they make like, dumbed-down versions of their animated films. Right. If which, they made, weren't, which weren't, like, cerebral to begin with, right. in the most part. And they dumb them down and make them live-action and terrible, just so they can extend the copyright on their initial property. Exactly. And make some money, because everybody's right. going to go see them. Yeah. I, th- I, I legit think that if they made a documentary explaining the context of everything and put a disclaimer on the movie... Yeah, get some historians, get some, right. you know, uh, family of the actors that are still living, perhaps, and say, like, this is what this movie meant to my dad, or... You the know. actors themselves did interviews about the film, yeah. uh, defending their roles, because it was controversial. There were elements of the NAACP and things like that that found the movie controversial when it was released. Yeah. And a lot of it had to do with the segregation... And other factors in their society that were bullshit. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the World War II generation caught on to that pretty quick because of their uh, efforts in the wars. and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So There's background context to this stuff. I was expecting it to be bad. I know. It I, was thought not. It was, I mean, I don't know that I would go so far as to say, like, it's a good movie. I mean, it's not a bad movie. Um, right. It's not up there with like I wouldn't say it's up there with Lion King or you it's know not like as good as Snow White the the, uh, cla- the classics you know yeah the Disney classics but it's a it's a refreshing tale because it's all legit stories from that era right it's as good as the movies that they released in the eighties yeah uh, we just watched uh, oh no I can't remember it it was a sci fi movie from the eighties that was a Disney oh, animated okay. film the Black Cauldron. Oh, Black Cauldron. That movie okay. stank. Yeah. That was wretched. This was better than the Black Cauldron. You can still see them in the Black Cauldron offensive. It's just garbage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not very yeah. good. So, you know, I don't know that this movie would ever become kind of like an instant classic. I mean, it's got... No. But, it's, but now it kind of is because, one, it's hard to find, hard to watch, um, unless you can get it from the Internet Archive. We did the... Uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it was the version 2 restoration. Yep. So if you, if you just Google Song of the South V2 restoration, it'll pop right up. You can download it. You can watch it right in your browser. Because um, it's either in, it's either fully in public domain or with a lot of these like fan edits and things, you can put them out for people to watch because it's for education purposes. And this is like preserving a piece of film history. So it's kind of like education. Right, it's an so Oscar there's, winner. There's a way. Yeah. So, and I mean, and it's an Oscar winner. And yeah, you can go back to like the 40s and stuff. And every Oscar winning film is not necessarily a good film. No. You know, but it was a good film for the time. Right. Um, but yeah. there's so much, I think, surrounding this film that it would either become an uh, instant classic or like a cult classic or it would make what, a boatload of money. Have you. It would make a ton of it money. It would make a boatload of money. Yeah. Especially if you release it the right way and said, you know, the first time in 4K, you know, see the first Uh African-American Oscar winners defining performance or career defining performance or, you know, whatever, what have you. Like celebrate the good things about it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, there's ways that they could do it. It's just not Disney's so lazy uh, right now. Maybe they won't be in another 10 years. Well, that's the weird thing is, you know, they want to race swap and gender swap a lot of these characters to be more inclusive and you've got this whole movie you made that is basically telling stories of people of color 
yeah, traditional on, on film, American folklore, and it doesn't get more inclusive than that. No, you know. Um, and then you've got these other films that are written and directed by you know uh, foreign people of color, like non American people of color, and they usually reside reside or resound with the, the audiences soaringly well because it's not the same marvel template it's not right. the same disney remake template it's not you're not taking a voice that was never in the original film and forcing this voice onto a film that people have already come to love tell new stories with new characters that have new backgrounds right right we don't need a rehash of the godfather with like <laughs> mumble rappers or something right yeah, like yeah 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 we don't need to re- we don't need to recast that movie. We don't need to reshoot that movie. We don't need to ma- have another version of The Godfather. You know, like tell something new. People don't want the old stuff rehashed. That's right. why that's why like this writers strike, they're all out there with signs like, well, uh, AI didn't write um, The Godfather, and so well, neither did you. You're writing the Little Mermaid remake. Right. You're not writing The Godfather yourself. You're not writing well, some of these great films. You know, They make just... a great point, too, because when you're going to rewrite, let's say, The Little Mermaid, yeah. AI can rewrite The Little Mermaid yeah. easily. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like a pharmacist. Yeah. A computer is better than your pharmacist. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Uh, a computer is probably going to be gener- better than your general practitioner doctor at your local uh, doctor place. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be better than the typical defense lawyer. Uh, yeah. It's just the way that the modern world is going to be changing radically. We're entering into a very interesting time. And it's going to be, uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. Uh, and hopefully yeah. our society adjusts like we have in the past. Yeah. And we, we're going to have to make some uh, changes to the way yeah. we do things. Well, you know, all these software programs and things, they're going to need to be up, up right. and updated. And so there's there's still going to be jobs out there. Yeah, you're and, going to be a maintainer. And, and AI not. is trained off of everything that's already been created. So it's not going to come out with a completely new thing, I don't think. Like, I don't know that it has imagination. I think that you know what I mean? R&D is going to be bigger than ever. Yeah. Because I we mean, won't maybe, need Maybe people... you'll get the writers to feed it prompts that generate interesting stories. Right. Or whatever. Uh, but did you see this thing where uh, the me- news media is writing articles now trying to convince people that they need to cancel their streaming services in solidarity with the writer's strike. No, I have and not And the, the headlines are like, should you cancel your streaming services in solidarity of the writer's strike? And I'd never click on the article because I think it's just a dumb thing to even be mentioning. But, you know, if they were turning out good stuff, I'd have no problem supporting the writer's strike. I don't, I don't really care. Like, now what, we get a couple months where we don't have to watch absolute trash being made? Right. Like, yeah, sign me up for that. It's hard for me to want to. It's hard for me to have solidarity with the writer strike. Let's put it that way. I, mean, I want people to, that made uh, Hocus Pocus too. I know. <laughs> and and the last three Terminators or whatever it was, right? So <laughs> yeah, and all of the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and you know, it's the, like, I the Rings of Power, which I haven't watched. I haven't still. watched that yet either. But uh, like, why would I? Why would I be? Why would I show solidarity with with poor writers, poor craftsmanship? Right. You know exactly. Like. Yeah, can AI do what what you do? Yes, because you're turning out remakes of remakes of crap. Yeah. Like the worst version possible of this thing. You're taking like Little Mermaid or Aladdin. Or Beauty um, and the Beast. Like we, your... we made it like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes into Aladdin, the live action before we shut it off because it was, it was, the problem wasn't so much that they were like shitting all over Robin Williams because how can you, how can you have anybody compete with Robin Williams? I mean, right. he already did it, he did the role, but the filmmaking wasn't even good filmmaking when, when 
Aladdin was running through the alleyways. The the shots and the editing were so bad. You never knew which way he was actually moving or where he was oh. or what he was doing. Like it was there was close ups on him, and then one time he's going this way, like left to right across screen, then he's going right to left across screen. And like any filmmaker knows, that's kind of basic like orienting your audience in your film is that the character's running one way, you always keep them running that way, so you know he's always running away from something. Of course he can take turns through the alleyway, but your camera movement needs to be orient the viewer yeah orient the viewer and this was none of it and it was just like what you just ran out one day and had him run around and then you just slapped it together and said hey that's good enough have you seen the witcher the new season of the witcher no i haven't seen any seasons of the witcher and now i probably won't because i know the first couple seasons were really good and then i heard that um henry is not in season three and they recast the witcher is in season three or season four or whatever season four he's not going to be in season three the first four episodes were horrible. Okay. Disjointed. No spatial awareness where yeah. anybody is. They're not supposed to be near each other, but yet they are, and they're supposed to be in different continents, and yet they're there, and it's yeah. very difficult to even follow what they're trying to do. Okay. And there's characters that show up that you have no context who they are or what doing, and there's a lot of talk explaining instead okay. of showing. Yeah. Uh, and then the last four, four episodes were back to form, even though I don't know if it was as good as the first two okay. seasons, but it was at least back to something that was more watchable yeah uh and that's again it, it, it was well, that, not that's, good not great and not that's great and that's why i usually have my rule where i don't enjoy watching tv shows that are still currently in production sure because you know i think the first one that kind of burned me was lost okay and i never finished watching lost because they started doing like uh they would do like flashbacks and then they started doing like flash forwards and then they started doing like flash sideways or something. And then I was like, I don't know that these people know what they're doing. And now there's so many different like flash forwards and backwards and stuff. But I'm just confused and I don't know what's going on. Right. And, you know, I mean, maybe if if it was um, streaming days, you could just sit and watch all of them. You could binge them and then you would keep everything in your mind. But it got so complicated with all the different characters on the island and were they on an island? Were they not on an island? And then I heard terrible things about the finale for Lost and so I just never watched it. Sure. Because um, I just didn't care. Like, why would I subject myself to that just to watch a bad finale? Mm-hmm. You know? And I, and I, by and large, like, uh, Star Trek Enterprise was okay. Like, I know a lot of people don't like it. You know, it was frustrating because they didn't have all the technology that they had even in the original series. You know, it's like, we'll just use your shields. Oh, we don't. We have armor plating, hull plating, whatever. Um, but the season finale of that was terrible because it was an, an episode of Next Generation. Riker was there and they were going through like holidays. And it's like they didn't even give the actors of the show their own finale. Mm-hmm. They made it a Next Generation episode because they thought, for some reason, they thought people would enjoy seeing Riker again. Right. Which, you know, people do, but this is their own show and it should kind of stand alone and you should give the actors who worked so hard on it. Right. Even if you don't like it, but you should give the actors who worked on it their own finale. Right. Like that's kind of like stealing the, you know, crossing the finish line before them and taking the trophy. And they ran the whole race and you just kind of like hopped in at the end. So I don't know. I don't like things that are actually in development by and large because <laughs> all it takes is like they change a showrunner, they change a writer. Uh, they just want to take it in a different direction. And then you've got like a terrible season and then like the whole thing's almost ruined for you. Or like I can only watch, you know, this many seasons of it. Right. Um, it's like Doctor Who. Yeah, Doctor Who. Um, another one is uh, Trailer Park Boys. Oh, see, so they, I haven't um, watched any of the newer stuff. So. so they did, well, they have the original run, and then they have, I think, one or two seasons that was a, a revival, and then I think they still have newer stuff now, right? I think so. I think they're um, still Because it was all in the uh, the full frame, the 4-3. Yep. Um, and then the first season that they went to uh, 16-9 was the new season. And so, but they wrapped it up. 
the first like four or five seasons, whatever it was, of the original run of the show. And it was great. And then like the next season was fine, but it was still kind of like it was missing something because maybe the production quality was too high. And they were yeah, focused more yeah. on that and less on the actual like comedy. And yeah, it's supposed to be great. Yeah, it's supposed stuff. to be trailer park boys. Like, and, um, you know, and then like the last season was kind of like they had some weird like, but it was all the same people doing it, you know, but it's like sometimes an idea only lasts for so long. Right. You know, and then it's like maybe try something new. Yeah, they <laughs> so, threw money at something that needed not have money. Yeah. Potentially. I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, yet. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. Luke enjoys, I think, all of them. I tried know, to get but, Sarah into it, and she doesn't yeah. like it. So I don't get a lot of uh, alone TV time. Yeah. So if it's something that I want to watch that Sarah doesn't, it's like, well, that'll happen never. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. I'm busy yep. with yep. life. So, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I, I, you know, I try not to do the active stuff. Uh, the things I've kind of made um, combinations for would be like Mandalorian. Right. Um, yeah. You know. I'll do the same for. I think Ahsoka's only getting is only a limited run. I think it's only going to be like eight or ten episodes. Unfortunately, it's not and that'll be, that'll be yeah. that. But I think she's going to be in um, Baloney's Star Wars movie that's still greenlit. I think it's going to wrap up like Bad Batch, Clone Wars, Rebels, sure. Ahsoka, and Mandalorian. I haven't finished the last season of Bad Batch. I don't know if it's going to wrap it up, wrap up every storyline, but it's going to tie them all together yes. in a nice neat package. I mean, we, you and I already know how some of these things are intertwined. Yes. Right? With um, Mandalorian and, and going and seeing characters from Rebels. Yep. Just even in the background. You know, yes. he had one line of dialogue at that bar. Yes. You know, and it was just in passing, but we were both like, hey, hey it's, you know, him from Rebels. And you're like, holy cow. And, uh, you know, with the space, the hyperspace whales yep. in the Mandalorian, you saw them, but they, they didn't explain what they were. Uh, but the last time we saw those was when Ezra left with them to yep. find his own way to the force. Yep. So, like, we know that all of these stories are intertwined some way, shape, or form. Right, yeah. We don't know how it's going to happen, but, you know, some but I think lost. this all... That's one yeah. of the weaknesses of the new Star, Star Wars stuff is that, like, when Cad Bane made an appearance, my Sarah didn't really get that excited about it. Yeah, but uh, he's still a neat character, so, oh, for you sure. know. But, I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, people who have watched or consumed, well, especially a lot of the Filoni, Favreau, uh, Star Wars stuff, because they've been operating in kind of the gray spaces or the empty pages between the trilogy movies, like the original yeah. trilogy and the prequel trilogy. They've been kind of existing in that space where they can take characters and give them fully fleshed out backstories and make them way more interesting. So when you see them in the in the live action movies and stuff, you're like, oh, you know, yeah. and it just adds, like it's an additive. It's not a subtractive right. thing where a lot of the remakes, Disney remakes and stuff are subtractive. Like they, they make you hate franchise more. Right. Like the way they... All the stuff with Han Solo and Luke in the sequel trilogy right, made yeah, me like yeah. hate. I mean, I didn't hate the characters, but I hate what they did with them. Right. You know, so. Um, but by and large, in the last season of Mandalorian, I wasn't super thrilled with that. It was, it was okay. It disjointed. was a little disjointed. It, it, they, they could have taken half of it and threw it in the garbage can. And I wish they would have done that with the uh, the weird, like, mindy race doctor guy. Like, just put that in the trash bin. I don't understand where that was going. Not that it was bad. The cinematography it's was good. Fine. It was interesting. I just don't like where they did it because they put it right smack dab in the middle of, like, a super exciting dogfight. Yes. And then they, like, cut to, um, I don't know, like, a slice of life radio drop or something. Basically, right? yeah. And it's like, we were just doing a dogfight. Like, I want more sweet aerial combat right. on the planet's surface where you can actually see the ground and, like, your high fighters are chasing you and you've got all these, like, high-speed chases and, like, you can do all this, like, crazy stuff now with the CGI and then you give us, like, a melodrama. Right. A melodrama and then, and then you, and then you go anywhere. And then you go back to the dogfight at the end and you're like, well, 
I just wanted the dog back. If they tie this in next season, I think it's too late. I think it's too late. They needed, yeah. they needed to have had something more tied in. And I think they were hoping that the whole cloning thing was going to be the tie-in. Because that's what that guy did, right? Right. But they didn't. They needed to put a, a button on it or something and be like, now that we don't have that guy out there, we can do whatever we want with his tech. And right. then that would have been enough for me to be like, okay, yep. fine. But dun, that dun, should have dun. happened in that same episode. Yes. Probably. Right? Or the next episode or yeah. somewhere yeah, near Yeah, somewhere it. very close. And now it's too late. Yeah. It's the timing. They ruined their opportunity. Unless he comes back. But even then, right? you know, it's, it's almost too long He can't now. come back. Didn't they kill him off? They melted his brain. Right. But I don't know that they explicitly killed him. I think they just made him like vegetable. Sure. Or I don't know if that's offensive to vegans. Oh, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Is I don't it, know. Is it they, uh, they wiped, veganism? They wiped his mind, I guess. <laughs> so he's probably not all there anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. And so. they didn't really develop that female character out like I thought they should have. Yeah, she's just a baddie. Yeah. Just for no reason. For the sake of being bad, I guess. Yeah. Like maybe she's still in contact with Moff Gideon or something. Well, know? I think she was uh, at the last episode. Yeah, but it what? But again, it was too many episodes in between. Right, where it was kind of one of those things where even though I was watching them, like I got through the season in like a week, I watched an episode a night or a couple episodes a night. It's still too much time in between because so much other stuff was happening and it was so disjointed to begin with. So you're already kind of like off balance, and then right. you know, which can work in a film if you really know what you're doing, like momentum. Is yes. a really great example of that because, you know, you're believing the main character and then you find out, you know, that he's an unreliable narrator, you know, and that's a common, common writing trope, you know, very difficult to do. Yes. To do well. Yes. Um, so I am getting uh, towards the end here. I have an inch left, I'd say. Yeah. And I'm about uh, the same. Maybe a little more than an inch, but, but I think we're, we're probably going to uh, to save you all from listening to more Star Wars stuff well, um, or Dune stuff, probably. I am uh, uh, some done. final thoughts. And, uh. It was very pleasant all the way through until about a year. It's starting to get tasteless. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just bland. Mine's, I'm a little a uh, little bit behind Mike on this, but it's getting to that point where, you know, you'd probably think about putting this one down and just grabbing a fresh fresh stick. Yeah. You know? That's where I'm at, where it's um, it's not but bad. It's, it's but not, it's it not... Was like, I thought it was a pretty good smoke all the way through. Yeah. Uh, it was good. I don't know, it's one, I don't know that it's one I'm going to, you know, rush out and always have in stock. No. You know what I mean? No. But it's... It's good. It's good. Yeah. It's good. So this was the Oliva Saison 2009. Yes. And uh, yeah, it was and good. it was way better than either of the Undercrowns. <laughs> that is uh So the first, so say. the first harvest, that must be the first tobacco leaves they harvest off the plant then? I don't know what it means. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is uh, your homework to listener. You can find out what that means. And... Uh, I know we've got another another uh, year one, right? Yeah, we have at least. But one I wonder. More. I, think we have I wonder more. if that's a first harvest or if that's uh, maybe like a second harvest or I, last harvest. I think we have a first harvest, two thousand eleven. Okay, and then there's another one. I, would that be, I can't remember. I'd be curious if head. they did like a last harvest. Maybe so. I mean, that would be neat. Anyway, thanks for listening. Be safe. Have fun.